Hello, I'm Mariette Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today we are talking about brain-working recursive therapy, what it is and what it can do. My guest is clinical psychologist Rafik Lockhart, who is also the director and founder of BWRT South Africa. Welcome, Rafik. Well, thank you. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Now, to our listeners, at the end of our discussion, Rafik is going to give us his three best tips on things to think of when you are considering therapy. Rafik, brain working recursive therapy or BWRT is quite new, not only to South Africa, but to the world. Can you please fill us in on the history of BWRT and on how you got involved? Okay, so very briefly, I, I was a senior lecturer at the University of the Western Cape. And I, I worked in various hospitals around the country, and then I ended up working at the University of the Western Cape Psychology Department, and I, I taught on the master's course. And I trained in Peter Marisburg in the early 80s, and a lot of our training there is what we call classical training. So we learn about psychoanalysis, about Jung, behavior therapy, systems therapy, all of those kind of classical things. Uh, that I suppose everybody learns at all universities at some point. And so that was my model for doing, for doing therapy, the stuff that I was trained in. When I got to UWC and we were training master's students, the students were saying to us that what we're teaching them is very interesting but not helpful. So I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, because like, patients can't come every week for like 30 weeks. They can't even come for 20 sessions. They can't even come for 15 sessions. Because people have issues around transport, around babysitters, around getting off work, and uh, money issues. So they said, you know, thank you very much, this is, this is lovely, but it's not helping us in real life. So that got me thinking, and I thought that's actually true. Because by then I started a private practice, and I was noticing the same thing, that, that uh, the, the longer, old therapies we were doing. Because when, when, when the patient comes like for help. They want to know, can you tell me what's wrong with me? Tell me how you're going to fix it. And more importantly, I want to get better. And they want to get better sooner rather than in later, as is normal. So I started a search for, okay, what are the faster, quicker therapies available? And there wasn't a lot in that time. And I came across something called EMDR at that time, which was, which was a relatively new therapy. And in fact, the American Psychological Association still called it a quack therapy. And, oh. But I thought, I'm, I'm open to stuff. I'm you think learning. If you look at all the geniuses throughout their history, they were always called quacks and names at the beginning. And then later on, everybody came along. So I, I, I did the training at the European Traumatic Stress Society Congress in Istanbul in 1999. And... Even though the, 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 the theory at the time wasn't very really solid because it was new therapy and there wasn't lots of research, I, I learned quite a lot and I thought, oh, this could help me. And so I came back to South Africa and I started using it in my practice for mostly for trauma, so things like hijackings, robberies, rape, sexual abuse, that kind of stuff. And I found that it was working really well. And it had cut my therapy time because up to then, all of us had had models for how long it takes. Like, for example... If you have bronchitis, you know, your doctor will say, look, it's going to probably take you about 14 days to, to, to recover. Mm. So it's the same thing in the psychology world. We kind of have an idea roughly how long somebody would take to get over this trauma. And I found at that time that EMDR, which is eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing, had, had cut that time down substantially. So I was really happy. Patients were happy. And then along the way, I decided to learn hypnosis. This was very exciting for me at the time. It's also 99, around that time. And I went for several hypnosis courses. And on one of the courses, uh, so if, if anybody knows about hypnosis, you get something called a hypnosis script, which is kind of, it's like a recipe. So like directions for what to do. 
And one of the first basic things that one does in hypnosis is something called a relaxation session. You get people to relax very deeply. And if you Google it up, there are thousands of relaxation scripts, which all more or less do the same thing. So it's almost like a recipe for vanilla cake. You can't really change it too much. And But then on one of the courses, I saw a script and I thought, oh, the script really caught my attention because it was written so differently and I could see the person that would written it is a different kind of thinker. So I thought, let me see who this is. And I looked up on the top and I see it's a person called Terence Watts. So I said, okay, I don't know who he is, but I Googled him up. And it took me to a site called HypnoSense. So this is all now like in 99, 2000, around that time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 2004, 2005, around that time. And uh, I, I Googled him up and it takes me to a website called HypnoSense. Terence is a hypnotherapist at the time, and so he had resources, books and CDs and DVDs, and I thought, I'll try it out, because I really liked what I, what I saw on the course. They just had one of his works there. And so it was so exciting. I, I, I ordered the script book. It came. I used it. He had scripts for anxiety, scripts for panic, scripts for grief, scripts for all kinds of things. And so I was using it in practice, and patients were getting better. So for me, as a practitioner, that's the most important thing. Are they getting better? They were getting better. So between EMDR for my trauma work and hypnosis for everything, I think a bit of CBT and other things thrown in. Practice was really good. Patients were getting better. I was happy. And so I, I was a really good customer. I kind of bought whatever new came, I'd buy it. I mean, he, 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 didn't, know who I, he didn't know who I was, obviously. Yeah. You probably knew that I was a good customer. Um, and then at some point along the way, he put out, because I was on his newsletter group, and he put out, he's saying that he's going to do an online course in which he was going to, which he was going to call it contentless therapy. So yeah, like, like a working name for it. And I was intrigued because really like psychotherapy is about talking. How can you have a therapy where you don't need to talk? However, because I had been using Terence's work for so long, I had a lot of respect and a credibility for him. So I also knew that he wouldn't put out nonsense. I mean, if I didn't know him and if I saw that, I'd say, oh, he's a complete nonsense. But because it was Terence, I paid attention. I signed up for the course. It was my first online course. I'd never done one before. It was uh, November 2012. And I must say, I was very confused by a lot of the things Terence was saying. I couldn't understand a lot of it. And I'm not, I'm not a new person. I mean, I, at that time, I've been practicing for almost 20 years. I mean, I practiced 30 years now. So it's hardly like I was newly qualified. I'd been around and experienced, worked in a lot of places. But I really struggled because some of the things he's saying were just very revolutionary. And I am trained in a particular way. So my brain wasn't allowing me to think out of that box. So uh, you could chat to him. So I was like chatting and saying, no, I don't agree with this. And oh, this is what you're saying. This is, sounds crazy. And, and at some point, I, I, and he loved telling the story. I said to him, that's it. I think you've lost your marbles. <laughs> and I said, tell him if you've gone too far. So then he wrote back and he said to me, uh, you must be a clinical psychologist. So I said, yes, how do you know? He says, because I can see but you're stuck in your paradigms. You actually can't think out of your paradigms. And I said, well, you're right. But, you know, I've been taught this way. And I actually, I teach master students and interns the stuff that I teach. And what you say is completely different to that. So he said, you know, just stick it out and, and finish the eight lessons. You've already paid for it now. So I said, okay, well, and it got a little better, but not much. I think my brain was just, at that time, very closed off to some of these new concepts. Uh, but, you know, because I paid all these pounds, I was wanting to get the best out of it. And in addition to my practice, I also used to work at a place called Summit Clinic, which is like an Akiso, what you could know, Akiso. Yes. Uh, where, where you can admit patients for up to three weeks to help them. And I was working at the time with a young Portuguese woman that I'd seen over the years. And she frequently got panic attacks. And, and I did hypnosis with her, and she got better, but she'd relapse every now and again. So just conveniently at this point, she had relapsed, and I then admitted it to the clinic, and I said, look, there's this new therapy coming out. 
as it has come out. It's new, it's experimental. She said, you know what, I don't care. I'm really tired of how I'm feeling. Can you just do it? So I said, okay. And at that time, it was early days. So I wasn't quite sure what I was doing, but I did it. So when the therapy was finished, she said, wow, I don't know what you did, but something has changed in my brain. And I couldn't believe it. So I said to her, I said, don't talk nonsense. <laughs> I said, don't just say things to make me happy. She said, she said no, 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 no. She said, look, I would... I wouldn't lie to you. I don't know what you did, but something feels dramatically different in my brain. So then my eyes opened. I got excited. I went straight home. I emailed Terence. I said, dear Terence, in fact, I've still got the email, oddly enough. I said, I think you're onto something big. Please, can I redo the course? Please don't charge me again. But the RAND was terrible at that time. It was like yeah. 22 to the pound. Sure. They said, no problem. Do the, she said, do the course again. So I did. And I must say, this time, I paid more attention with an open mind. And I began to realize that this was a revolutionary therapy. Because having been around for so long and having done so many different therapies, you kind of know when, when something's working better. So I, I said, Terence, I think you're onto something amazing and I'm going to help you. I'm really excited. So because I have access to patients in a way that you don't, I see 8, 10, 12 patients a day, and I decided to use it on the patients in the clinic because it's safe, because they, they, they're in a clinic setting. They, you know, they, they're not going home. They're safe. Yeah. So luckily, I had the clinic because I wouldn't try it out in a private practice because, because then they leave and you don't know what's going to happen. So being, being in the clinic, in a patient there for three weeks, they're safe. I tried, and I began to try it on everything, on post-traumatic stress, on trauma, on sexual abuse, on rape on depression. And then Terence and I began to talk every night after, up to two to three hours. In fact, I think I almost got divorced. I'm so sure you did. <laughs> I'd come home and I'd say, sorry, sorry, sir, I'm, I'm busy with Terence now. And then we, that would be it. I'd be there from like seven to 11 with him, obviously. And I was very excited about when it didn't work. That was more important because if it should have worked because by then I understood the theory. I'll talk a little bit about that just now. Yes. I'll say it now. So the, the theory is really based on neuroscience, whereas all the other therapies are based on somebody's theory. This one is based on actual experiments that have happened over the years in neuroscience. And neuroscience has just hit the world in the last five, six years because of technology. So I think Terence is not a young man. Terence is 80 this year. So, and he'd been working, he worked on the very first computers that came out, the Commodore computer. He was one of the people that worked. And then he worked on some missile guidance system. Then he was a, a video game designer at some point. So he understood circuits in a way that very few of us can. But the science wasn't available for the things to meld in his head. And so when neuroscience came out, Everything just clicked in his brain. All his knowledge about computers from the 50s and the 60s and the modern neuroscience, everything just clicked in his brain. And the man's a genius. But back to me. So I then started to use it. And him and I would talk about when it didn't work. We'd look at why it didn't work. It should have worked. Let's try this. Let's try that. And by then I said to him, Terence, we need a name for this therapy. You can't just call it brain work. It doesn't work. And Terence is very... Um, really good with things like that. So eventually he came up with brain working recursive therapy, which is BWRT, and that's the name we use. And along the way, we discovered many interesting things. So I, I became his research partner. When I, I did that online course, just purely coincidence, I was the only clinical psychologist in the world doing that course. Uh, so he got quite excited that I was interested in his work and I was really excited because his work is fantastic. And so there was a good synergy and we're still really, really, really good friends all these well, five, six years later. So I then said to him, Terence, I'm going to fly up to the, the, the UK in September 2014, but I first need to give about 200 cases because like to give it credibility. One can't just go there and talk about two cases. So I, I kept very careful notes, and I, I, I documented every patient with their permission, obviously, very carefully to look at what was working, why it was working, if it didn't work, why it didn't work, and how we could have fixed it. And when I had 200 cases, I, I flew off to the UK to, to work with him to draw up what we call the training manual. I also took my wife, uh, Huda, who had a very bad dog phobia. 
bad as to say as a psychologist, I couldn't fix it. And I sent her off for therapies and the dog phobia just wouldn't improve. And if you have a phobia, if you don't have a phobia, you don't actually realize how it controls your life. Anybody who's listening has a phobia, they know their life is controlled by it. Phobia is not a fear. It's way, way, way past the fear. Um, it's where your brain just doesn't function. You just want to run. That's all you can think of is run. And I lived in Seapoint, so we'd go for walks, and everybody has a dog in Seapoint. And Buddha would see a dog, and then she would just be running hysterically. And I was a terrible husband. I would get angry with that. I'd say, Why are you running from the dog? Look how small it is. You know, it's such a tiny dog. It's got false teeth. Cockroaches bully this dog. <laughs> but if you've got a phobia, even the tiniest dog looks like a monster. That's what happens inside your brain. So she wasn't improving. She went for lots of therapies. She got slightly better, but not enough. And I said to her, right, I'm taking you to Terence. He's going to fix you. So we pitched up in the UK. Remember, the reason was to drew up the training manuals. This is now September. And I had done the course in November, December, and early January. Uh, and then Terence did the treatment on her. And my wife's a very skeptical woman, even though she couldn't, she could feel different. She wanted to test it out. And when we got back to South Africa, we went straight to Camps Bay Beach to find dogs to scare her. And it wasn't happening. She was like, oh, my gosh, there's a dog right here and I'm still standing. How can this be? Yeah, amazing. So that, that, was, that, that was more cruel. So even nowadays, look, if a dog barks behind her and she can't see the dog, she just gets a fright. I see it. And her brain wants to go into that old pattern of running. But then it finds the new software that we put in, and then she just calms down, and then she'll just walk normally. So, so that's what happened. Then we did the manuals. I came back to South Africa, and I presented it a week later. There's an organization called the Psychological Society of South Africa, uh, and they have an annual congress. And I, I presented the 200 cases that I'd seen up to then. And my colleagues got really excited about it. And so they immediately said to me, we want to workshop. I hadn't thought of that yet. And people in Durban, because the workshop was in, the Congress was in Durban. So the colleagues in Durban grabbed me first. And I then put something together and flew off to Durban to the workshop there. And then the next one was in Johannesburg. And then subsequently we've done, I don't know, maybe 60 or 70 workshops. I then started presenting it in various places. I presented it at the, the, the World Psychiatry Congress, Congress in the, at the ICC in Cape Town. Uh, the military called me, asked me to do a presentation to them. I did a presentation there. I was called to Pretoria to do a presentation for SAPS, uh, SAPS Psychological Service, because Heinrich Benjamin, the, the head of, at that time, the head of SAPS, Western Cape Psychological Services, did the course, and he was very impressed. And he said, you know, policemen and women give us a lot of problems. They don't like therapy. They don't like talking. But you can see what's happening. You know, they, they, a lot of them are on alcohol. They, they're self-medicating. They're trauma. They're painkillers. They're they drinking a lot. And as you know, every now and again, you read about the police, police, policeman shooting his wife and family. And so they asked me to then train all the SAPs, psychological personnel around the country. So... So BWRT is now the go-to therapy for SAP Psychological Services employees. And then just before that, Department of Correctional Services called me and said, can I can do a workshop for them? Because the problem for them is that they have lots of, lots of inmates but very few psychologists, which means maybe you get to see an inmate four or five sessions max. Now, what can you do in four or five sessions? Fortunately, with BWRT, you can do quite a lot. So a lot of the inmates get sexually abused or involved in violence. And a lot of them have what we call complicated grief because people, family, loved ones die. And obviously you can't go to the funeral. And our colleagues in correctional services have said, and they've also presented lovely cases at congresses, that, they, that this therapy is really helping them to help these inmates very quickly. Um, and then uh, university counseling centers who all have long waiting lists, as, as you know. You know, just tell them about three month waiting list. And uh, so I've been invited to train the, the, the psychological counselor, the staff at the counseling centers of Stellenbosch, one of the first people to do it. 
University of Pretoria, UKZN, uh, University of Northwest, quite a few universities, student counseling centers have sent their practitioners to be trained in BWRT. And they've all said to me that it's really helping. It is because they're able to, you don't need to see somebody for 10, 10 weeks now. They can sort them out in one or two sessions, three, four, max. Uh, and that's where we are now, actually. So BWRT is, I've done about maybe 60 or 70 workshops. Uh, BWRT is a, a restricted therapy in South Africa. So you have to be registered with the Health Professions Council to learn it. And you have to have, so it's open only to, to, to all psychologists and what we call registered counselors, people who have an, an honest degree, but in counseling and to psychiatrists. And then recently, we have allowed social workers with a master's degree in clinical social work. The reason for that is because the, the therapy might be simple, but human beings are complex. And when things go wrong, you need a background to be able to deal with it. It's like, a, I suppose, a, a, a GP trying to do heart surgery. You know, that, that's taking him way out and if something goes wrong there'll be a problem so it's a restricted course also also patients then have recourse to lay complaints with the health professions council if they're unhappy so i think that's the safety for both sides so uh it's it's unfortunately not open to anyone who can come and do therapy you have to be a registered psychologist registered counselor a psychiatrist or social worker with a master's degree in clinical social work and then then you qualify to learn BWRT. So that, that's a protection for the public and the public also have, like I said, recourse to their complaints against people who might be doing unethical things with them. And I think that's basically our history here and that, that, that was my involvement. And South Africa has been very good for BWRT. Colleagues here have done amazing things. So I a good way to look at it is, is that Terence built the car. I gave it four-wheel drive <laughs> and colleagues, colleagues are giving it wind. What, what do I mean by that? So in the early days, colleagues would say, listen, can it be used for this, like groups, for example? And I'd say, no, no, I don't see how it can be used for groups. And one of our colleagues, Haneli Pina, Emily Pina, said, well, look, I'm, I'm going to try it out. This was way back, 2015. I'm going to try it out because I run a group for sexual abuse survivors. So I said, okay, but I can't see how. And then Emily called me and said, wow, it worked. So I said, really? Tell me more. And then other people, this guy called Chris Aitzing and Joburg, he used, was the first, to my knowledge, to use it for, for students who have exam anxiety in a group setting, and it worked there. So, that, so now we know that it can be used for certain types of groups, which is A, cost-effective, and B, you get results quicker. So I got excited about that. And then another colleague, Manny Sapto, came to me and said, listen, will this work for, because I work in an institution, he said, that where we, we have patients with very severe intellectual disabilities. I said, ooh, Manny, it's impossible. I can't see how. So he said, okay, let me think about this, because I work there, I know. And then Manny designed a world-class protocol, which is now being used all over the world, I've done with practitioners, for working with people who have severe intellectual disabilities. I'm mean, talking about like adults who have IQs of five and six-year-old children. Um, now, obviously, the normal therapies can't work for them very well. But many design, he, he adapted BWRT, and he presented cases. He also presented at CISA. And the results were just, from, so I was totally blown away. So now, if colleagues ask me, can it work here? I no longer say, no, I say, hang on. I said, you know what, I've learned that if you apply it in a particular field and that's your area of specialty, try it out and let us know. Um, so, so people are you know, they're using it. And some colleague recently said that she wants to try it out. She works in a school for the deaf. She's going to adapt it and see how it can be done with sign language. I thought, oh, wonderful. Uh, yesterday, one of my psychiatrists did the course. I, I, I did training this past weekend. Um, he wants to see how it would work if he trained an interpreter. Now, why that could work is because unlike normal therapies, BWRT requires very little talking. And I know that that comes as a shock. That goes back to Terence Watts' early idea where he said, 
that the patient doesn't have to tell you anything. But it's not true. They have to tell you something. Mm. But they don't have to tell you everything. So, for example, in an older method that I use, if a patient came to me and said, I was sexually abused when I was six years old, I'd have to say, okay, I can sit. Still tell, tell me what happened, and then she would say, well, Uncle X did this, and I'd say, okay, what else? Tell me more. And it's it's very traumatic for the patient to retell the whole story. And it's obviously I'm sitting there like, absorbing it. And sometimes the entire session is finished, and I've just been listening and you know, really prompting them to tell me more. What else did he do? What else did he do? What else did he do? Because that was necessary for me to gather the information that I needed then to use another kind of therapy. But with BWRT, I actually don't need to know all that. I just need to know that my uncle, whatever, did something inappropriate to me. And I say, thanks, that's all I need to know. We can start working now. So it's changed things quite a lot for patients. They, they don't have to share intimate details if they don't want to. And they don't need to. Well, of course, we do need to know something. So I, I do need to know something happened. Uncle Tim did, I'm just using that name randomly, did something bad to me. Touch me inappropriately. Good. That, so that's really all I need to know. From there, one can go right into BWRT, if that makes any sense. So it's, it's very different to other therapies. Also, practitioners like it because they're not sitting and absorbing the whole day people's people's trauma. So, so they have lots more energy to work because they, they, they're working with it quickly. It's getting sorted out. And so, yeah, so that, that's really BWRT in a nutshell, if, if, if that makes any sense. Is there anything that you want to clarify on, on that? Yes. Uh, if I'm a patient who's interested and I come to you, how would you explain BWRT to me? Ah, okay. Thanks. So BWRT, because it's based on neuroscience, we can actually talk about solid things. So we're not talking about conscious. So I, the way I explain to patients, I say to them, okay, so you know how you have a computer and the computer has a screen and a hard drive. And if you had a virus on your computer, you would only find out about it when it popped onto the screen. Otherwise, how would you know? You'd see all the characters say, oh my gosh, what's going on? Now, if you didn't know much about computers like me initially, you would quickly rush off and buy a new screen because you would think the problem is in the screen. And you spend 3,000 rands, put in a new screen, put the computer on, and oh my gosh, this, mad, this, this virus, how can it be? Because the virus is not in the screen, it's in the hard drive, in the programs. So we have to fix it in the hard drive, not in the screen. Now the screen would be the equivalent of our conscious mind, the stuff that you and me are using now as we talk to each other, that's our conscious mind. But the hard drive is where all the programming is. And Terence used the research of a neuroscientist called Benjamin Libet, who did groundbreaking research in the 80s, in which he showed that a part of our brain is going to select how we, what we think, feel, and behave about one-third of a second before our brains find out about it, before our conscious mind finds out about it. That's, that, that's fascinating. So somebody has a panic attack, you only know about it when you're feeling it, right? But it didn't start when you felt it. It started somewhere else, and it worked its way up into your conscious mind. And so what BWRT does is that we get into that early part of the brain, and we stop the brain sending out the information. So another way to look at it is that if you are a computer and you have old software, it's not the computer's fault. The computer can only use the software it's got. Do you agree, Marie? Yes. Right. But if you've got Windows 2000, it's somewhat outdated now, completely outdated. But the computer can only use it because that's what it's got. Now, it will work. It will work okay, but it will be frustrating because in 2021, you want to do new stuff. But your computer can't do it because you don't have the program. 
So what do you do? Do you throw your computer away? No, you simply upgrade it with new programs. And the moment you put a new program in, whoops, your computer can do all, all the new stuff. Same with your cell phone. If you've got, let's say, WhatsApp version 4, but there's a new version out, and the, and the old version can't like delete from everyone when you, when you can't send videos, your phone can keep using it. But you won't be able to do all the new stuff. So what do you do? You download version 5. The moment you download version 5, your phone uses version 5. And version 4 is gone. Now, same thing in your brain. The moment we download the new program, your brain instantly uses the new programming, which has got new thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So a simple way is that, is that we upgrade somebody's brain. We, we delete the old programs that's causing the problem. And we download a new program that doesn't have the problem. So if you have a like a dog phobia, for example, there, there is a program in your brain that whenever you see a dog, it activates all that fear. The new program will be different. It will say, it's just a dog. This one's not dangerous. I can be okay. And all of that will happen automatically. So in the older days, the older therapies, we used to teach our patient what I now call management therapy. We used to teach them anger management. We used to teach them panic management. We used to teach them thought you have a bad thought about yourself. We teach you thought management. Because we weren't able to stop what the brain was sending out. But we were able to teach our patients very successfully how to manage what they were feeling. So Instead of running, like we teach you to calm yourself down and, and manage your fear. The fear is still there, but you're working very hard at applying the brakes. Now, the problem with that is that when people are very stressed out, they forget all their management techniques. And so they just go back to old thinking, feeling. I mean, very, very many years ago, I, I did a course in scuba diving in 19... Oh, 93, I think it was. And one of the things that they teach you, like you rehearse and you rehearse at time, is what to do when you see a shark. And they say to you, you know, sharks don't attack you underwater. They only, they only attack you on the surface because they think you're a seal. You don't really believe that, actually. You keep thinking, I'll be the first one who'll get <laughs> child underwater. Yeah. But they, they rehearse because, because the reality is that they are sharks. So they teach you how to be calm. They teach you how to rehearse calmness. Be, you know, just relax. It'll be okay. And as, as you qualify dives, you have to do five dives. And on my first dive, didn't see a shark. Second dive, no sharks. I'm kind of like rehearsing. On the third dive, I came around some bush, and there was a shark. And instantly, Mariette, I couldn't remember anything. Mm. I just went into I tried, tried to run 12 mm. meters up. I'll just <laughs> – and, and you know, the, the, the experienced divers kind of swam over – calmed me down. I think the one may have smacked me to get me to focus again. But what I realized at the time is all my all my management training in the moment of seeing the shark, I couldn't access it. My brain went straight from my conscious mind into my hard drive and access my fight or flight, uh, my fight or flight software. And so instantly I tried to run underwater. There's no logic. Absolutely no logic. Where am I where, where am I running to? Mm. That's what happened. And then I realized, okay, so under times of extreme stress, even though I'm a generally calm person, I got, I, I rehearsed this calmness so much. At that moment, my brain couldn't find it. And I've, I've thought about that for a long time. I, I, I didn't know how to explain it till now. So now I know what happened is that my brain went straight back to my existing software and it activated it. And I just simply did what my hard drive told me to do, which is to run, even though it's impossible to run up, up water. Mm. So we, it's so, so BWRT and neuroscience has helped us to understand what the brain is doing with information. And Terence Watts found a way to turn it into a brilliant therapy. And it's helping people all over the world right now. So in South Africa right now, I have personally trained about 1,500 psychologists and 15 psychiatrists. And, and the, the psychiatrists are interesting because they, they are all saying to me that we are, where it's appropriate, we're actually, we're actually able to, to reduce our medication because the patient isn't thinking and feeling in that way anymore. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. They've also helped us to understand that it's safe to use with somebody who has a, like epilepsy. It's safe for use for use with bipolar people who are controlled on medication. Uh, so they they've been really helpful in helping us understand other kinds of ways to use it. And that's great. So 15 psychiatrists, 1,500 psychologists, and uh, what's happening now is that 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 many psychologists now have have waiting lists. Because patients tell other patients. So the, 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 the advantages of BWRT is that firstly, it is generally a lot quicker than, than, than other therapies, uh, which means that it's cost effective and which means that people actually do get better a lot quicker. And somebody you know, like me who's done lots of therapies over the 30 years, I can say it fairly confidently. Um, and... All our colleagues who do the training. And also these days, patients are asking for it by name. So I get calls saying, I want BWRT. Don't give me something else. I had a friend who was now fine. Can you give me the same treatment, please? Right. So having said that, BWRT can't fix everything in the shortest possible time. No therapy can. But it can certainly do a lot for things like, for example, hijackings, trauma, rape, sexual abuse, any kind of phobia. So if people have like needle phobias now, especially like to to, to, uh, to give blood and that, we can fix that really in one session. Often people have phobias to go into for MRI scans. They, they get really claustrophobic. And, and sometimes that's a life-threatening thing because they need the MRI. BWRT can fix that really quickly. Um, it can do that quickly. For more complex things like, let's say, major depression, that's not going to get sorted in one session. That makes sense because there's a history required. One has to find out what's contributed to the depression. But you can still work a lot faster because in BWRT, in every session, you're going to be clearing something in the brain. And I often say to patients, a good way to understand it is because these days everybody has a cell phone. And I say, okay, what happens when your cell phone is full? You can answer that, Maria. Well, how does your cell phone work when it's... You when have to delete something bef- before it works properly. But before that, how does it work when it's full? Oh, it doesn't work well. Right. It freezes, it hangs, it's slow, okay? Mm-hmm. And now, you don't throw the phone away. What you do is that you delete old videos. And when you delete enough of them, what happens to your phone? It starts working fine again. Mm. Same thing happens. The same thing happens in your brain. When we delete enough of the old stuff, your brain starts working fine again. So if you see a BWRT practitioner for, say, something complicated, like a major, which you've had for years, they'll take a history from you, and then they'll work out what software is contributing to that depression. Usually, it's very old memories that are still causing pain. And the reason old memories still cause pain is because we now know that nothing gets old in your brain. We used to think old memories are stored far away. It's not. In fact, it's not even stored. It's just activated. So the moment you think about something, it's what we call a fresh neural activation. The memory opens up inside your brain. And at the time that it happened, your brain downloaded what happened, but it also downloaded everything you were feeling at the time. Mm. Then that gets turned into like a YouTube video and then those feelings stay with you forever. And this, you cannot think about it. That's good. You can try and block it out. But when something similar happens, so, so you're watching a movie, for example, and, and suddenly there's a hijacking on TV, it immediately activates your own hijacking, for example, even though you've tried hard not to think about it. But that's how your brain works. And because the brain works really fast, you won't have a chance to control it. It will just pop up into your brain. Suddenly you're like, oh, my gosh, it's all back. That's the flashbacks we talked about. So for, for more complex things, it won't be two or three sessions. For what we now call simple things, and I'm not using simple in a flippant sense, but simple meaning it's easier to fix these days. Like I said, like one-off things, hijackings, rape, sexual abuse, trauma, home invasions, car accidents, um, scared to drive now after the accident. All of those things can be fixed in between one and three sessions. And I can say that confidently. Mm. Okay, more complex things won't. So I don't want uh, our listeners to think everything will be done in three sessions. No, that's not true. 
more complex things where there's a, a history required, then that could take longer, but still, in my opinion, faster than the other methods. And in each session, you will be clearing something in your brain. So every session is not just a talk session. We're doing something concrete. Then for more complex things like substance abuse and alcoholism, and eating disorders, there's what we call level two BWRT. And uh, so you need to find a BWRT practitioner that is level two trained, because those are more complex issues that, that require a different kind of BWRT and a more experienced practitioner to handle that. But that can still be helped in, in a remarkably short time. Then what's happening recently, even though it's been around for a long time, is grief. So people are actually dying alone. I'm sure you know that. Yes, yes. Uh, family members are dying in hospital by themselves. Thank goodness for WhatsApp videos. Some people are able to talk to their family members before they pass on. But by and large, because of the COVID rules, people are dying alone. Family members aren't able to say goodbye. So that contributes to what we call a complicated grief. And BWRT has a very elegant and very effective method for dealing with grief issues in one or two sessions max. People get freed up. So BWRT around grief, now it's explained to the patients, I say, what we're going to do is we're going to take away the pain and replace it with normal sadness, for which you don't need to, because normal sadness is normal. Mm. But right now, there's so much pain regarding the, the, the death of your dad or whatever, and it's just you're just living in pain. So BWRT in one session, two sessions, we can take the pain away, and it will simply be replaced by normal sadness, which will get better with time. Uh, because if you don't explain to the patient, they think that you want to wipe the person out of the memory. Of course, they get very resistant, which is, which is, which is, which is true. But we're not wiping things out. What we're doing is we're actually giving them all the good memories back again. So often patients will say, you know, now I've been thinking about my dad, all the fun stuff we used to do. I, I, I wasn't able to remember all of that before. I just, I just, his death was just so painful. So, so we, we, we can remove the pain and you'll just have normal sadness, which will get better in time. That's Ooh, very I've spoken quite a lot, Maria. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very hopeful. Thank you, Rafik. I think you gave us a very good introduction to BWRT. Um, I just have one small question left. I, I've been wondering what recursive refers to the word. Okay, so with BWRT... As you would in your phone, first you download something. Okay, say, say you're putting a new app. Okay, you'd first download the app from the internet. Right. But you can't use the app yet. Why? It has to be installed. Right. So when you install it, then your, your, your phone can use it. So BWRT, the, the, the recursive word, refers to how we install it. Oh, I see. And, and I can't explain it on, on here, but, but that's the process. So first, the first part of BWRT is where you create the new software and we download it into the patient's brain. Well, the patient does it themselves, not us. Mm. And the second part is where we have to install it now for use. Because if it's downloaded, okay, your brain still can't use it. Just, it's just like your cell phone. If you simply download an app, you can't use it till mm. it's installed. Mm. So the, the, the recursive word is refers to what happens in, in, the, in the brain. There's what we call a looping process where we install now the software permanently in your brain through the recursive process, if that makes any sense. Yes, that does. But you'll have to experience I can't explain it. You have to actually yeah. feel it. Yeah. And then uh, where can people get more information? That will be on the website, isn't it? Yeah. So there's bwrtsa.co.za. And then there's an international website, Terence Watts' website, which is bwrt.org, I think. Uh, just check that. And, uh, yeah, those, those are the two places to get all the information that you need. Yeah, and then to our listeners, you can be on the lookout for monthly podcast episodes on the uses of BWRT on this podcast series which I'm looking forward to because I'll be speaking with different practitioners and we'll be looking at the use of BWRT concerning different issues. Is that right, Rafik? 
That's perfect. Yeah, I think that that's fantastic because there are there are, there are many practitioners doing wonderful work, and uh, it's I think it's really and some people have become specialists in certain kinds of, of, of conditions, like for example, children or teenagers or different kinds. And I think it's it's really valuable to hear from other voices besides just me. And now, Rafik, please for your tips for someone who's considering therapy. So the first thing is that any idea that you have in the past about what therapy is based on what you've seen on movies or like a previous experience or what people have told you, please just delete that out of your brain. BWRT is different. Okay, you will not be seeing your therapist twice a week for one year. It's just not going to Unless you want to, of course. If you're happy with the relationship, great, that's good. But... I think these days money is an issue for everyone. Medical aids are becoming more and more, so what I want to use, difficult about how they, they release funds. So whatever old ideas you had, okay, just throw that out of your brain. Okay, Be be open to trying out with MBRT. Uh, that will be the first tip. The second thing is, importantly, as I say on, on the website, nothing will change unless you do something to make a change. That would mean make the appointment. Start it out. And the other important thing, I remember many years back, I had the good fortune to have supper with Nelson Mandela, not by myself, not by myself. There was a, about 15 of us, and he was interested in, in the work we were doing. He was a president then, and he invited a group of us to tell him about the work. I, was, I ran a clinic for children at the time at the University of the Western Cape, and he was keen. And, and so obviously we were all there moaning about resources. And he said to us, I hear that. Is, you know, I, can't, I, I can't imitate him, but what could I would? And he said, important thing, he said, do what you can with what you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are wise words. And I've never forgotten that. So I'm going to say to people, do what you can with what you have. Go and start your therapy, just get it done. Even if you improve something, something will change in your life. There's really no need anymore for fear. For feeling off, this is going to take years and years. And more importantly, I'm hopeless. I'm beyond help. I've had so much therapy, nobody can help me. That's not true. They may have used other methods, which I also used in the past. And the thing is that they were the best we had at the time. But now we have different. Uh, you know, in the old days, eye surgery used to take hours. I think now, from what my colleagues said, you can do laser, like laser surgery in 45 minutes. So if you still think, oh, I'm going to go for eye surgery, it's going to take me six, seven hours. No, it's not. Heart surgery, no, it's not hours and hours and hours mostly. Lots of quick things. So if you have fear around, I'm hopeless, I can't be helped, I'm beyond redemption, can I just say that's not true anymore? I don't have to sound like an advert now for for insurance (laughs) companies, make that call now. I'm trying not to do that. But what I want to say is that those therapies are still around, but they are better, faster methods, BWRT being one of them. And certainly 1,500 psychologists can't be wrong, and the thousands of patients who've gotten help that post their success stories can't be wrong. So you know, just make, give it a try. Don't have fear. You can be helped now, quickly, in most cases. Thank you, Rafik. And may I now ask you your fun question? Sure. Now imagine we're in an ideal world where the usual limitations don't apply. So, Rafik, if you had an extra week thrown in every month, and that would be a week without any of your usual work responsibilities, uh, I was wondering, is there a pastime or a skill that you would devote that extra week to? Totally. So I'm getting older now, and I realize exercise is really important. Oh. So I, I, I try to exercise every, every day because I mean, it's true, I'm, I'm 59 now, and, and, one, and I, I've seen the benefits of exercise. So I would like to do more exercise, and I'd like to nap more. If I had the next two weeks, <laughs> I, I would exercise more. I'm already eating better, but I would certainly like to take long afternoon naps if that was possible. And 
maybe read more books, watch a few more series. There's just you know, not enough time in the day. And of course, obviously, I'd like to spend time with my crazy teenage daughters who suddenly became teenagers. Mm. And I don't know what I don't know what happened to them. It's like somebody came down and, and replaced their brains <laughs> uh, with, with, with something new. So I'd, I'd like to hang out with them because I think my work has I, I work in the past long hours. Um, and so I've missed quite a lot of stuff with them. And I'd really like to, to spend more time hanging out with them and my wife, obviously. Mm. Uh, yeah, so the answer to your very easy, quick question is I'd like to exercise more, nap more, uh, spend more time with my family, and, and probably travel more. In South Africa, actually, do more road trips. Mm. Oh, Maria, sorry, I forgot an important thing. So, yes. so BWRT can be successfully done online. So, for oh. example, since, since, since COVID, I, I had to switch from face to face and I'm doing all my therapy online now. And I absolutely love it. And the, my patients love it because they're not traveling. They're in the safety of their home. Uh, most people are working from home anyway. Of course, there are a small percentage of people who still want face-to-face and, and lots of colleagues. And still, but if you, you'd like online therapy, uh, BWRT works absolutely the same way as it does for face-to-face. Thanks for your time, Rafik. No, thank you. As you can see, I, I get wildly excited talking about BWRT. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share the stories. It would mean a lot to me if you would rate and review Calm, Clear and Helpful where you download your podcasts. Please subscribe to the series if you don't want to miss the bonus episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, Mariette Sneeman, and the music is by Matt-Marie Sneeman. Yes, we are related. Catch you next Tuesday at nine.